to the latest episode of Nerds Amalgamated. With us this week, we have the usual lineup of the DJ. Hey, guys. How you going, DJ? I'm going good. Going good. Another busy week. It's good to hear. Anything exciting? Uh, besides the usual work, uh, assignments piling on and nothing special. So I'll take that as a no. Um, also with us, we have the professor. Hello. How you going? I'm good. Anything exciting this week? No drops, well, CPUs, etc. No, I've managed to save money <laughs> this week. That's I have almost finished my uh, amateur radio license, though. Oh, heaven help us! <laughs> Actually, does this mean we need, we get to buy a ship now and sit just off the coast and do a pirate radio station? Possibly. I mean, you won't even need a license to do that because, by definition, it's breaking the law anyway. But that's the reason why you got to sit outside the national waters. Yeah. Anyway, enough about my wanting to just live on the high seas away from people. Also with us, we have the fantastic Sean from XCT, oh, XCT Comics to Movies. I can't remember the other. Paralympus. Okay, <laughs> guys. So right. Sean's just come back from that horrible, horrible part of the world known as America. <laughs> but um, yeah, he, you're, where, where, you, you tell us where you were. I was over in uh, San Diego at uh, San Diego Comic-Con, so I'm super excited uh, to release uh, the first ever Australian independent comic book series uh, exclusive for the event, and I was uh, over there doing that and uh, having some fun. Disney didn't try to buy you out while you were there? No, unfortunately, so... I um I did go around and see a couple of uh, the other small small publishers and and everything. Um, it was really good to see quite a few uh, books that I've seen um up on Kickstarter actually at San Diego. So um you know there's that's that's really cool to to know that there's a kind of a, a correlation of of some success on Kickstarter and being able to to attend uh, some of these really big conventions. Awesome. Um. Anything really stand out? Like anything really, really cool? Like who did you meet? Uh, I was pretty lucky. So I won in the lottery uh, the meet and greet for The Flash. So I got to meet the whole cast of The Flash. So Grant Gustinson was uh, one actor that I've always kind of wanted to meet. So that was was really cool. Uh, Mm I got to meet the whole cast out of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., um, so that was a, a lottery, uh, not a lottery, a um, morning ticket uh, type thing. So they had to run, run from the door to to the um, uh, ABC booth and, and get this ticket. So that was cool. I got to meet, got to meet them. Um, got to meet Robert Kirkman. So I'm a big Walking Dead fan. So that was, uh, you know, something that was extremely um, exciting and it was really cool. I uh, got to meet the whole cast out of Winona Earp. Um, not a, uh, I haven't watched all of the series, but I watched the first season and uh, and, and enjoyed that. So I'm going to go back and watch the the next two. And then the the big um, highlight and the one that uh, I got the most kick out of was I got to meet the whole 
past of the Mayans. Um, so I'm a big Sons of Anarchy fan, and uh, oh. Mayans is a spin-off of of that. And um, mm-hmm. got to to meet the whole whole uh, cast and crew, which was about thirteen or fifteen cast members, which was which was amazing. So yeah. Oh, you too. You're for- oh man, Mayans. That's a good show, man. That's a good show. Yeah, mm-hmm. only a few more weeks, and I think it's back on the air again. So. Yeah. Looking forward to it. Well, uh, when on Europe stood out to me there. I really enjoyed the first season, but I uh, haven't gotten around to watching the second yet. Yeah, that, that was the same with me, Professor. Like, I've watched the first season. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was something something different. But, yeah, I just I don't know whether there's just been so much, like, available that I just – it's not something that I've kind of gone back to. But um, after meeting the cast, who was super cool, I was like, okay, I'll, I'll go back and, and – um, and uh, you know, uh, watched that again. I really wanted the Titans um, signing, so I really enjoy that series. But I don't know whether it was publicised over here or not. But one of the stunt actors um, was killed on set, um, so they actually cancelled the um, announcement and everything, um, and their signing and uh, all that at San Diego. Yeah, I had actually heard something about that. I was wasn't too sure whether. How things were progressing. I'd heard there'd been a, been an injury, possible fatality, but yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, so it was uh, fatality, unfortunately. So, um, but um, yeah, the, they my understanding from oh, I was speaking to someone at uh, at uh, um, the Warner Brothers uh, booth, and they uh, have actually worked on the on the set, and they were saying that uh, the whole set and crew are very much like a tight-knit family type of thing. So um, when it um, uh, when it happened, it really hit all of them quite quite hard type of thing. So um, which you can un- understand, like, whenever you're working that closely with anyone, um, you know, I know just going away on conventions and everything, when you, you spend such a, a, a big chunk of time almost in each other's pockets, you do become, you know, quite close and, Almost family-like, so yeah, it's, it's always a horrific thing. Um, doesn't matter how the person goes. Um, yeah, it always hits everyone in, around you. Um, you didn't do the cringy thing with the mines, did you? Like, I know um, I've heard stories of people doing some pretty stupid things with the cast from Sons of Anarchy back in the day. So you didn't, you didn't, you didn't try to do the super cool gangster. Nah, 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 nah. Um, you know, because I've been lucky enough to to um, you know, meet quite a few celebrities and and that in my travels and and uh, have you know a couple of the Australian actors as as friends. The biggest thing that they don't don't want to hear is I'm your number one fan. Um, like you know, you can imagine being at a convention and having. Every single person uh, say I'm your number one fan. I even, you know, uh, in one of my issues, I even joked about that with Spartacus uh, at a convention saying, oh, I'm your number one fan. The next person comes up, I'm your number number one fan. The next person comes up, I'm your number one fan. <laughs> like, you know, so whenever I, I meet um, celebrities, I always say um, I really appreciate your work um, because it's their job and that that's what they want to hear, that you appreciate 
actually what they do and what what they're putting out. So, um, yeah, that's how, how I approached it. And I've got too much of a, an Aussie accent to try and be be gangster as well. So, um, we're definitely not going down that avenue. So, um, I know you you said you met the Minds cast. Who was who was the best cast member? Who's the favourite? Oh, that, oh. I was gonna say, that's a, that was a dangerous question to ask there. Who's the best? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. You've put me on the, the spot here now. Like, um, uh, who would oh. – well, I, I always liked um, the the main uh, our, our character, Ezekiel, so J.D. Padaro. Um, so I really enjoyed meeting him, but um, – the the fun, funniest guy was probably Antonio Jaramarillo, uh, uh, who's Macal or Riz um, on on the show, um, and meeting Emily Thomas or Sarah Bolliger was um, you know fantastic. She was absolutely beautiful in in person and um, and that. But uh, yeah, no, they were they were all really cool. Like you know, I, I was saying to them that they need to to come to a, to Australia to to promote the show and do a, a a bike ride from Melbourne to to Brisbane or from Brisbane to Melbourne or something. I reckon that would be an awesome uh, you know uh, promotion for the for the, the series type of thing because all of those guys actually do have bikes and actually enjoy. Um, uh, riding and stuff. So yeah, uh, I Can you just imagine all the roads would be getting shut down just because every man and his dog who owns a bike would want to be able to get out there and join in the, yeah, the ride. Yeah, it'd be the biggest. Yeah, park I, I, I can Australia's just imagine. Yeah, I, I got a question for you from one um, Suns fan to another. Was Chucky there? No. Ah. Oh. No, no. So, um, uh, Tony Palana. Uh, he wasn't there, which was one I would have liked to have met. Um, Chucky, I guess, was uh, was only in a couple of the, the episodes, so um, I wasn't expecting, um, you know, to, to kind of see uh, him there. Uh, but all the all the other um, main main characters uh, characters were there, um, including uh, the the main villain Danny Pino or Miguel um, type of thing. So. Yeah. Sweet. Didn't so, oh, I'm sorry. You, you first, um, Buck. Yeah, you first. Sorry. I was just going to say, Um, so just out of curiosity, is Edward Almos as intimidating when he looks at you with uh, over his glasses in real life? Um, I, uh, yes and no. He was very f- – um, I actually don't know how, how old – um, he he is, but um, he did look quite frail, which is quite interesting because in the series and everything, he comes across as a very strong character. So uh, I was born in forty-seven. So what does that that make him? Seventy-two. Geez. Okay. So no no wonder he looked a, a a little frail. But um, yeah, you're right. When when he because he you know you're standing up and he's uh, sitting down signing. So he's got his glasses on the, the, the brim of his nose and, uh, you know, he looks up at you and he just he just kind of smiles and says hello and you kind of freeze for a second and it's like, oh, hey, how are you going, you know, type of thing. So uh, yes and no type of thing. So Okay. 
Yeah, I think the first thing I ever remember seeing him in was Blade Runner and then um, Miami Vice. Yeah, Miami Vice, yep. So, yeah, he's just, he's one of those char- those actors that's always been around and he just, yeah, whenever you see him do the look over where he drops the, the, the angle of his head down a bit and just looks over the top of his glasses, you just think, oh, you're in trouble. What role was he in Blade Runner? <laughs> I can't remember what part, what part he played in Blade Runner, but... um. I just remember he was he was in there when we were looking at it the other month. He um, was uh, uh, sorry, to interrupt, um, Bucky. He was Jim, Edward James almost. He was Detective Gaff in um, Blade Runner. Oh, really? That's he, it. He was Lieutenant Marty Castillo in Miami Vice, and in the reimaged Battlestar Galactica, he was William Adama. Mm-hmm. I think the word you're looking for is reimagine. <laughs> but he was, he was also, like, if you go looking through the list of his credits, he was in The Green Hornet, Dexter, um, Scary Guy in Two Guns. He's just, yeah, he's just such a fun actor. Yeah, I didn't realise he was also in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah, he was... Um, he was in oh. Dexter. Yeah. Yeah, yeah he was... Yeah. Gon- yeah, almost was Gonzalez from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Good Good. He played. Good. He played good. Right. Um, well, they're saying the um, series starts on the third of September, so um, that's actually not that far away at all. Sweet. Just a few days, so it'll be the fourth of September for us. But, but yeah. So, in, so I know you met all the uh, cast and crew members of TV shows. Did you meet any besides Robert Kirkland? Did you have you met any other um, comic guys? Um, well, I'm a big fan of J. Scott Campbell, so, um, I went to, to his booth, um, you know, I've met, met him quite a, quite a few times, so, um, that was, that was kind of cool. Um, then my favourite artist of all time is Humberto Ramos, um, so I went past his booth again, so he had a brand new, um, art book, uh, so I went and, went and saw him, um, then I walked around and saw some of uh, I wouldn't say lesser known um, uh, uh, comic artists, but you know, artist Ali there is like our our guest artist here. Like, it's just crazy. You've got like you know Ron Lim who did um, Infinity uh, Gauntlet and Infinity War, um, sitting next to um, you know. Uh, Jerry Gaylord, who you know does Warner Brothers and does Scooby Doo, and uh, you know has worked on on my my series um, uh, XCT as well. And then you know, so it was kind of really cool to walk around there and see all these these other amazing amazing artists and everything. So just you know, introduce myself, got some cards, um, and you know, looking to to kind of do some. Um, you know, some uh, connections and, and get some really cool artwork done, um, you know, either with XCT or whatever, whatever other projects that I'm going to be working on. So so besides Ron Lim, who were the others again? Alberto Ramos? Uh, Humberto, uh, H-U-M-B-E-R-T-O Ramos, R-A-M-O-S. Uh, yes, yep. Uh, then you got uh, Jerry Gaylord. Um, who else was there? Adam Adam Hughes. Uh, I went past his uh, his table. Um, you got uh, Terry Dodson. Um, man, re- really, anyone 
that that anyone was there. Um, not going to pronounce his name right, but Jerry v- 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 Verdeslant. Um, not not sure if I'm saying that that properly, but um, don't worry, we've made it a game to find the most uncomfortable names to pronounce. Yeah, yeah. But he does all of the Star Wars artwork for um, Acme Archives. Um, and man, some of his work there was just um, like really amazing um, type, type of thing. So, um, yeah, I, I was really trying, really trying hard not to, to buy um, too much stuff. Of, uh, I'm building a house at the, at the moment with, with our, um, our uh, roof just, just going on um, today. And uh, I've, you know, got a certain amount of space these days to kind of uh, put up my artwork when I when I when I move in, and then then I'll have to get rid of everything else. So, so let me guess: the house is on hold at the moment because you got three container loads of memorabilia to bring bring them back. No, no, I was really good. Last year that I went, I did my whole budget in preview night, um, <laughs> which is which is only four hours, no, three hours. Um, so I was much better this time. I I, I got through the whole convention um, without going through my whole budget, which is um, yeah. So Jerry Van der Stel, hey, that must have been an epic. That must have been an epic meet just to see all the Star Wars posters. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, being such a such a Star Wars fan, like you know, um, I've always tried to pick up some uh, some Star Wars stuff whenever I um whenever I travel um, to those type of events. But I knew I was going to uh, Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, um, and uh, I had done a little bit of research and knew that you could build your own lightsaber and everything there um so that's where i set a little bit of money aside and i, I went and did that nice nice you'll have to um bring it along and show it to the um men and late men men and ladies at um sons of obi-wan lightsaber academy yes yes i don't know whether they come to the Mel- melbourne show but if they do um yeah i'll definitely definitely have to have to show them so I was pretty happy with it. Um, I, I got, uh, I did a purple lightsaber, okay. uh, but um, got the actual um, uh, kyber crystals uh, in every color that they had available, other than um, yellow and white. They didn't didn't have that um, that that available. So okay, yeah, it's um, always it's one of those things on the bucket list. I've got to get myself one day is a lightsaber or two. Um, but moving along, I suppose we should probably get on with the rest of the show, otherwise we'll run out of time. Yeah, I'm sorry, guys. I'm just taking it all up there. <laughs> Honestly, we, we're, it's, we're enjoying it. Um, yeah. we're, we're nerding out. Um, I was going to say... You um, mean before... this isn't a Comic-Con fan podcast? <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say uh, before, before we continue, um, did you enjoy all the movie trailers while you were there? Uh, well, I didn't get into Hall H. Um, so that's, that's the main one that, that shows all of the trailers. Um, so I literally saw the trailers online, um, you know, probably a little bit earlier than, than everyone back here, but yeah, you know, um, uh, I don't know if I said that I, I'd, uh, Tom Cruise was there. So, um, I, we had seen, seen him and, um, uh, and that, so I saw the, the, 
a Top Gun trailer when that dropped. Um, they'd released the the trailer for the Dark Crystal, a Netflix series, which which drops uh, on Netflix tomorrow. Um, so yeah, it was. was uh, sorry, what what series was that? The Dark Crystal. Oh, that's the Dark Crystal series dropping tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, on Netflix. <sighs> Come on, I'm, Mark. I'm, I'm I'm not going to be available tomorrow. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you sound unwell, mate. You sound be able to uh, go to go to work tomorrow. Yeah, my my, my phone and everything's just going to be switched off. We've got young nephews and nieces and whatever. Just tell them you caught that rotavirus off them. <laughs> I'll just I'll just vanish. I just won't be around. Sorry, folks. Um, but yeah, moving moving along now. Um. Professor, you've got a story about Valve turning away a researcher. Well, it's, it comes up as Valve turning them away, but the blame kind of lies a bit in between. So companies like Valve that have software products will have often have a bug bounty. So if you find a bug or a way to hack their software, you can report it to them and they'll pay you a bounty for finding it and telling them first so that they can fix it before the world finds out. Mm-hmm. And expanding on that, you get responsible disclosure. So if you find a bug in someone's software, uh, ethically, you're supposed to tell them like 30 days or a couple of months or however long it is before you release it to the public so they have a chance to fix it. And mm-hmm. it turns out a couple of people have been going to Hacker One, who are a third-party bug bounty um, sort of broker, I guess, and they got turned away for having extremely serious privilege escalation hacks on Steam. Okay. So it's been in the news recently because the issue is so severe. But the good news is Valve has um, patched the issues that were that have come to light in this um, this news. Yeah, because I remember um, years ago, um, one of, one of my friends that I used to hang out with and go to LAN parties and that sort of stuff. You used to actually do um, firewall testing, and he, he always said the biggest biggest target to make your name with was um, Lords of London. He said that the bounty for them was um, five times as much as what the CAA offered. So, wow. But when you consider the fact that Lords of London is the people who insure the space shuttle, that sort of stuff, they've probably got more money than the CIA. So, yeah. It was always, it's always one of those things I've always loved the idea of the, they have the guys out there and it's just they have the open challenge of if you can do it, we will pay you to show us. Yeah, and a lot of the time they will offer you a uh, cybersecurity job if you are pre- um, prolific enough in the bounty program. Yeah. So it's a big part of networking and getting a job in the industry. So yeah, does I think, that... Oh. Oh, sorry, DJ, you go. I was going to say, so does that mean... Uh, so? My memory serves me right. You become you've turned from a black ha- um, black hat hacker to a white hat hacker. No, you can right. be a white you can be a white hat hacker while you're doing this. Um, yeah, this is white hat because they invite you to do it with the bug bounty. Black hat would be if you did it anyway and then used it to hack in and empty their bank accounts or whatever. Yeah. So Lloyd, Lloyd's is one of one of the first ones to actually implement that program from what I can understand. And, yeah, they, they've had the attitude of if you can breach their security and get into certain levels, 
the higher up the level, the high, the bigger the bounty, that sort of stuff. And if you get your name there as one of the people who's done that, it's basically, yeah, you just have people throwing money at you to come and work for them. And there are whole training websites like Hack the Box or Vonhub that have a, uh, like, they've got basically puzzles set up for you to try to hack as a practice run. Mm-hmm. But um, so the reason these researchers got turned away by Hacker One is that the wording of the agreement with Valve and Hacker One for what would be covered under the bounty was ambiguous. And uh, so these issues they found were clearly extremely severe. If you can basically, if you can get a privilege escalation hack, you have full access to the computer because you can get yourself in as an administrator. Mm-hmm. And the so he reported it to Hacker One. Hacker One declared his bug out of scope and uh, rejected him basically. So the the exploit wasn't going to get fixed in, until he made us think about it. Um, I'm guessing someone at Hacker One is now looking for a new job. Well, that's a good question because one of the hackers in the um, in the article, uh, his name is Prevet. He um, is still banned from Hacker One because Hacker One was trying to enforce a kind of NDA on them. The Hacker One was like traditionally you would uh, make your responsible disclosure to the company behind the software, wait for the uh, waiting period, then release the bug to the public, and in a way that helps shame the developer into fixing the problem if they haven't done it yet and it also lets people know that there is a problem to be fixed but in this case hacker one was trying to say no you can't have money for finding this bug and no you can't tell anyone about it oh <laughs> well yeah that obviously didn't work too well for him did it you're just yeah. asking for them to hack you again aren't you doing that <laughs> it's just, yeah. just you're just almost laying down the gauntlet of going okay uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna screw you over here now and actually do the the wrong thing rather than the right thing. Exactly, it's like that's the re- whole reason why the bounties are there is to encourage the people to say, "Hey, I found this, so it can be fixed," and that way it saves them money. Yeah, because I think the bounty here was what was it? Um, five hundred security issues with a payout of six hundred seventy-five thousand in bounties. Yeah, that but when you can five hundred issues. And looks like the average is about 1.9 issues per researcher. Yeah. So, so when it's you pretty consider the job, when you consider the fact that um, if these guys had done the right thing, that's how many how many billions of dollars go through Steam? <laughs> A lot. Like that's that. Yeah. It's cheaper to just give them the money and say thank you for bringing this to our attention. Yeah, definitely. It's just. Yeah, that kind of makes no sense because, as you said, you're almost putting a flag up, going, "Okay, now, 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 come for us," type of thing. Can you imagine the HR investigations for this? Um, I can imagine people from Valve when they found out about it going in with a microscope and crawling, crawling through the um, private cavities of <laughs> everyone from the top of the company down to the very bottom. Like, yeah, like I think the only person that would have been safe from getting a Proctological examination would have been the um, cleaning crew because they probably don't touch a computer, but everyone else probably would have, like even the receptionist, would have been getting scanned and checked over and investigated. 
It also it's it's also uh, interesting how they try to make this whole this feel like a conflict of interest issue as well. How so? Like you could be working for another company, like maybe Epic or something like that. Uh, I don't, I don't think that comes up often. And the reality is, you they, you don't care who it is that finds the fault. Whoever finds the fault and tells you about it, you pay them the bounty because the alternative is you lose hundreds of millions of dollars and, and face congressional hearings and all that in America. If you assume that, like, even if you've never heard of the bug before, if one person comes to you, you can bet that someone else is going to find it eventually and they might not be a nice guy and tell you, and then you're screwed. Because mm-hmm. what, what was that uh, the breach on um, security with um, Sony going back a number of years now? They turned around and they, they actually advertised the fact that they had been breached and were rectifying the problem straight away. And there was a big congressional hearing into it. And Sony came out as having done everything exactly right because, yeah, like they, they they had someone who had breached and they made sure that everyone was aware that there was the breach and they disclosed the level of breach and everything like that. And I think they put everything on hold for a while while they fixed it, but yeah. Yeah, didn't they have to shut down PlayStation Network for a few weeks? Yeah, like they shut down and they because they weren't they just sure whether everyone. Yeah, because they weren't sure whether it was just um, the employees and and their um, families and details, or whether it was the whole like PlayStation network of you know people. <laughs> excuse me, people that um, were on the network and all their their payment details and all that type of stuff. It wasn't actually even just um, PlayStation. The final investigation showed that Sony's gone through and actually investigated for the entire of Sony, not just the PlayStation aspect. So as soon as there was a breach in one section of data security for Sony, their guys have just gone, right, everyone, we're going this. And they just went through and checked out the entire Sony worldwide empire. So that's Sony Music, Sony Movies, Sony games, the lot. Wow. Because they supply software and hardware to military-level institutions and stuff. So, yeah, they um, they don't mess around with their security. It's like the same as Samsung. Someone tried breaching there, I remember hearing a few years back, and, um, yeah, they went pretty hardcore in their response. So so anything further we need to look out for with this, Professor? Um. Well, keep an eye on the news. I think the story is still developing, but I think the immediate threat has passed. Uh, Valve have apparently patched the issues that have been brought forward. I, right, it's a very serious issue. A privilege escalation basically means you can do anything. You can run any software you want. But the good news is the, right, the patch has been made and the the issues being worked on they're going to work out their bug bounty and make sure that uh, this doesn't happen again because they've changed their bug bounty terms so th- to make it clear that privilege escalations and running malware through steam are included mm-hmm. so hopefully it'll be a more secure future for steam sweet all righty well moving along um since we're talking about mending things, um, we've actually got the next story is about lasers welding ceramics. So um, don't know if you guys are aware of the level of usage with ceramics and so forth, but uh, there's lots of 
technology where they want to use it, but it's limited in its application because of just the fact that the process of welding and joining and enclosing circuitry and so forth has to be done at such temp- such high temperatures that would actually melt the circuitry and destroy it. So it's just not feasible. As but, discovered by every amateur with a soldering iron. <laughs> yeah. Um, Being and we're talking, we're talking like pacemakers and stuff as well here. So, yeah, it's pretty intense sort of things. But um, you're going to say sorry there, Professor? I know. I was just uh, joking that I've been there and melted my circuits a couple of times. Ah, uh, I think everyone has. Is that what happened to the DJ? You um, were well, you were trying to solder something and melted his circuitry. <laughs> Just a little. Okay. Uh, thanks, man. Uh, thanks for the fix, Professor. Yeah. I, <laughs> <laughs> you owe me a new arm. You weren't using it anyway. Oh, I will use it when I get it fixed. <laughs> uh huh. Anyway, um, yeah, some. A group of um, engineers led by UC Riverside and UC San Diego, so just where Sean's come back from, um, have worked out a way of using lasers to weld ceramics. And they've actually done it in a manner that passes the test under vacuum conditions that are the same that are used for test um, electronic components and so forth for varying levels, including space exploration material stuff. So they're using, they've been playing around with um, lasers at, um, and they call it, they call it a, a um, ultra-fast pulsed laser welding, but it's a low-level laser at less than 50 watts, which means it operates at room temperature, and it's a small pulse over um, two, po- yeah, sweet, the sweet spot so far is... Ultra-fast pulses, um, two p- picoseconds, a high, high repetition rate of one megahertz, along with a moderate total number of pulses. So, yeah, apparently that's the best optimum process, but at the moment they're only doing small things, small welds, and they're wanting to get it up into much, much higher level and larger um, substances. Can you imagine the once this... Um, research becomes complete. It'll be used on things like fixing up ceramic knives and fixing up um, ceramic shells on um, cars. Um, the ceramic knives thing, it'll be possible, I guess. Um, I'm thinking more along the lines of um, non-metallic pacemakers. Yeah, like you can just grind the uh, ceramic knife back to sharp, can't you? Well, it all depends on how it's broken, but... Um... Oh, I suppose if it's broken and not just blunt, then yeah. But, um, yeah, because this is welding, so it's trying to get it back together. So it's actually liquefying and melding. I don't know, don't know how much people out there are, are aware of um, welding. When, when you look at um, an oxyacetylene weld, and actually the heat turns the metal liquid and it fuses together and becomes one piece, and it's actually stronger than the material around it. So, and you have some of the welders out there that are artistically uh, enabled to the point where their welds are absolutely beautiful works of art. So, using this, I'm seeing, I'm thinking, yeah, like pacemakers are no longer going to have to have metal, which means they're not going to be affected by things such as um, CAT scans and MRIs. Um, going through airport security would be a bit more comfortable for 
some of the people with a pacemaker in them. Yeah. And then, yeah, when we were talking last week about the um, process of refine of filtering carbon dioxide in outer space, um, you'd probably want to have the gold filaments that are used in the process being held in place by ceramic um, holders just because of the less, be less interference from electric, from any other electrical charge, etc. Yeah. By the way, in terms of um, the ceramic coatings in cars, I think I, I can see this one as well. See this laser type being applied on ceramic coatings with um, like automotive, automotives, for example. Yeah, like I know that they, um, like he gets um, ceramic engine blocks and that sort of stuff. And yeah, like there's a lot more ceramic stuff around you than what you don't, that you probably don't realize is actually ceramic. Um, just because of the, the strength and quality of it these days. So, yeah, like this is pretty pretty new um, technology and it's different to everything else because the way they would normally have to do it is they'd place the pieces into essentially like a giant kiln and have to raise it up and melt the material together. But that would produce inconsistencies in the heating process because with varying thicknesses and that sort of stuff and, yeah, it just... Just work. truly isn't viable for repairing most things. It's easier to just take it and replace it, yeah. which with ceramics isn't too bad because you can grind it down and reprocess it and reuse it and yeah. recycle it a lot more easily than most other materials. But it's yeah. not an easy process. It will take a long. T- it will take a lot of time just to get the process on. Get the process through. I think with lasers, I think it will halve that process. Yep. Um, and I'm 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 hearing Sean's brain ticking over going. Can see this in a in, in one of our um, future issues. It's it's <laughs> interesting because my dad's a boilermaker by trade, so he was uh yeah. I, I grew up around him uh, having a see oxy fuel welder and uh, doing all that type of welding and 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 all that type of stuff. So um, yeah, I'm just trying to trying to uh, think and have a have a understand how and where they would use use uh use this type of thing so but i think that's the the great thing within innovation is when people come up with with new things uh new ways to do things sometimes what you would necessarily use it for is not the first thing that comes to mind um Mm -hmm. and then then someone comes along and uses it for something completely different you're like Wow, I would have never thought that you could use that process to do to do this or or whatever. So yeah. Well, I was just thinking, I'm ceramic man. Dun, 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 dun. Uh, I think you're more of a crackpot than ceramic. <laughs> but um, yeah, no. Look, honestly, um, yeah, the same as last week. Like this is only the very early stages of this and. Yeah, like I can, I, the the possibilities are just mind blowing because, mm. like they say in the start of the article, like smartphones that don't scratch or shatter, um, electronics for space and other harsh environments. So yeah, like it's just here are all the screen case covers again. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's actually uh, send, a... send China out of business, mate. <laughs> Um, I didn't say that. I didn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, you, you moving right along. There, there is actually a ceramic. Um, I think is it a Bugatti Veyron? 
Oh, that would be um, amazing. For for all my fellow car lovers, um, you you may have heard of um, a blogger on YouTube called Supercar Blondie, an Australian lady who goes around and drives all these amazing different cars. She's actually one of the very few handful of people who's actually driven the, um, I think it's a ceramic Bugatti por- Veyron. It's a porcelain. Porcelain, is it? Yeah. Well, porcelain is basically, it is essentially ceramic, but yeah. Like, that's just, yeah. They can now repair it if it has a crash. Wow. It's just imagining some guy with a, a box full of shards of ceramic and a laser just gluing it back together. <laughs> like when you smash a vase. Uh, no, you, you you don't. You wouldn't smash this thing. Like, um, if, yeah, I think the DJ's posted a link there for us. If you actually go and have a look at it, um, it's probably tougher than a lot of other cars out there. But it's just, yeah, it's the it's just absolutely ridiculously insane. Can you imagine on high on an episode of Highway Patrol, like the Bugatti is just all. <laughs> It's all all good in good shape and all. The other cars just like, nah, I can't save my own car. <laughs> my car's wrecked. Um, well, kind of defeats the point of uh, crumple zones. Well, I think it probably does have crumple zones and everything like that. But like this, this car's probably likely to drive through other cars because of the ceramics. But yeah, it it's worth um, two point four million dollars or something apparently. So yeah, so I won't be getting one of those anytime soon. No, but if you do, you get lots of amazing people come to say hello. <laughs> no, I've been I've been trying to convince my uh, my uncle to bring his um, DeLorean to the shows, but uh, but he, he he won't. He's like it's uh, locked up, and uh, he does drive it every now and then, but uh, you know he doesn't uh, even like me getting in it. Let alone, uh, I think hundreds of uh, people wanting to to jump in and touch it or whatever. Hey, if he does, I'm happy to stand there with security. <laughs> I'll stand stand there with a big baseball bat, and anyone who tries to touch it, I'll just knock him on the head. <laughs> well, that's only done twenty thousand k's. Yeah, but can you blame him? Like, nah, they're, they're nah, beautiful nah. cars, but the the fuel fuel um, expenditure is a little bit rough. Yeah, what's what's the thing he picked up the the other day? He picked up ah, oh, that's it, the Kia Stinger. Oh, okay, yeah, he, the new police car. Yeah, yeah. So um, I, I wasn't quite sure, but I, I, I jumped into it the, the other day and I'm like, tell you what, I I really like this. This is really cool. So, yeah. They they do have a lot of get up and go. Again, he wouldn't let me drive it, but I, I got to sit in <laughs> it. And- <laughs> uh, I, 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 I have um, friends who are police officers and, yeah, they, they, they've, they, they're, they're impressed with it. But moving along, um, I suppose we should. We, we we've got um, the DJ's section. Do, do we want to give him a section now? Like, no, we give a <laughs> no, no, we don't have time. We've okay. we've already been talking about KFC. I think that's well. Okay. Um, Thanks, Buck, for is, giving me that joke. You're welcome. <laughs> um, so we've got the um, the DJ has something about GI Joe comics being relaunched. Oh, not I reimagined, guess. relaunched, or <laughs> not, not even reimaged. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I would say, yo, Joe, watch out! <laughs> but uh... oh, oh, <laughs> well, I didn't know they were being relaunched. 
but now I know. Battle. Oh, he's got the references. The professor's got the references. <laughs> so, who's it getting yeah. published by? Um, it's IDW this time. So after two, so two years ago, uh, as, um, since they ca- IDW cancelled the Scarlet Strike Force, IDW has decided that they're going to reboot GI Joe again. And this is, and it's going to be written by Paul Aller and Chris Evanhouse. Is it House or Huis? Huis, yeah, Huis. Sorry. No, no, no. So I, I'm, I'm not sure of the pronunciation either. I'm just asking. So yeah, I, Alla, I was hoping Sean might actually know know these guys. So uh, Alo has confirmed that this new series is a complete reboot and will not be connected to any of the previous GI Joe comics. And the the reboot is basically saying, okay, so Cobra has taken over the country and. Fugitives are Conrad S. Hauser, codenamed Duke, and Shana O'Hara, codenamed Scarlet, and they will be trying to take take over the trying to um get rid of Cobra, basically. Now, are they looking like the movie characters, or are they the original cartoon That's, characters? I think they're going with um they're going with the um, cartoon characters from what yep. I've been gathered. Uh, the author is basically saying this, this story is both inspired by both modern warfare. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Where non-state actors fight vastly overpowered militaries to a perpetual standstill and World War II, where Great Britain's SOE recruits civilians behind enemy lines. He's doing the voice again. So it's based, So it's interesting how they've they've um they're going to, they're going back to the old roots. Well, reboot. They've rebooted the system, but not in the way that we've all and all been seeing recently with the recent Disney but, reboots and whatnot. Soe wasn't that the British, not the American? Yeah, Soes were the British. Yeah. So they're actually going to do it properly this time. So they can't actually call it GI Joe anymore. <laughs> what are they going to call it then? I don't know, but because I can't call it GI because. That's the American is that they because they can't spell enlistment, they say enlistment, whereas the English and everyone else says enlistment starting with an e, so it'd be G G Joe G Joves. There you go. <laughs> so, or Jives. so a lot of people, so Aloe is promising that this old school G.I. Joe fans will love this and find it true to everything G.I. Joe stands for. And new folks will be attracted to this, uh character-driven tale of hope and humanity and about the power of resilience and in, in an in increasingly unraveling world. But he's not a human. He's a computer. <laughs> you guys have seen that video, right? We have not no idea what you're talking about. Yeah, I was waiting for everyone else. <laughs> Get on with the meme culture, guys. Uh. It's from a... Some people made dubbed versions of the G.I. Joe PSAs years ago. Oh, yeah. One of them has a a guy being like, hey, kid, I'm a computer. Stop all the downloading. (laughs) Wow, the 90s were really cruel on you, Professor. Tell me about it. I don't even remember them. 
I was, say, was he actually even born in the 90s? I was. Mm-hmm. Early enough that I have some memories of them. So, but he, but I'm no a, spring chicken. But here's the thing, though. Some fans were kind of concerned with whether that this reboot will effectively kill the old G.I. Joe comic. Um, I don't know whether you guys were familiar with the old G.I. Joe comic um, by Hama, known as a True American Hero. No. Um, my only real interaction with G.I. Joe was um, the kid next door when I was younger had a couple of the figurines. And we had some, and we managed to get hold of a couple of fireworks. <laughs> oh no! Uh, yeah, those, those suckers do fly. <laughs> he, his mum wasn't too happy though when, um, yeah, there were bits of bits and pieces of head and. <laughs> uh, um. So the re- with the recent um yeah with, G- with the real American hero that was the one that influenced like a lot of um. Toys, comics, movies, and whatnot. So Hasbro's uh, see Hasbro's VPF uh, said that this won't be um, this won't clash with the real American Hero comics, and um, this will be a this will be a separate continuity. Basically, that's what he's basically putting it out there. Okay. Sometimes I just don't don't know why they just can't create a new story. Why do they have to call it GI Joe? Like if if it's a new context and yeah, you know, it's maybe from the British. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I uh, all all these reboots and everything are, are crazy. Like the what they said the other day, Keanu Reeves is coming back. Uh, number four, Matrix. Yeah, and, and then, a number three, Bill and Ted. That I was kind of happy with. But okay. There should have should have always been a third one, I reckon, um, to, to to round it out. Because you didn't know, like, you know, did they did they yeah, save the world or not, like type of thing. I reckon. Yeah, so I'm looking forward to that. I think the people will. Uh, people love these. Re- well, people love to stick it to the um, old ones without changing, without creating original stories because it's a brand. Like you look at Marvel. For, look at Marvel, for example, with all the rebooted heroes. Yeah, yeah. even when it came out the first time with most of Marvel's heroes, it was a reboot. They just went and copied them off of DC. <laughs> but, but but I think but I think that's um sometimes the the issue of the, the that mainstream market and why the indie scene seems to be going so well is that um you know you don't have like 500 issues where you don't know where to jump on and you know all your reader series and um you know that I really liked the brand new day uh, Spider-Man storyline and then they kind of you know, uh, just did the whole storyline, then it was like, okay, that never happened, and straight back to where it was before, type of thing. Um, so, yeah, I think that's um, one of the reasons why, like, a lot of the anime market does so well in comparison to the American, um, like Marvel and DC and all that, because of the fact that a lot of the, like you got so so many stories where it's literally you have a start and a finish and an end story. Yeah, yep. and it's like they might do another story with that character, but it's a whole new story, and it's it's always clear. And it they like the, the only ones they do reimaginings with, it, and they actually say it's to tell it from a slightly different perspective, such as like the um, new Ghost in the Shell series. Um, I can't remember what it's called now. Stop my head, sorry. Uh, you mean standalone complex? No, 
there's another one that's they've just they've only done like four, I think it was. Um, yeah, but I agree with you. Even like um, you look at Dragon Ball Z, like you know they've just kind of made new um, iterations of them each time. Uh, type of thing where you know at the first uh, first time it was really like you know once you get to Super Saiyan or whatever that's the that's the highest you can go but then they just kind of you know kept, you know it was such a popular brand that they kept on creating uh, new new storylines and and extra powers and you know um, you know Super Saiyan God and you know keep keep going like that at least <coughs> they're, they're telling uh, a new story, even if it's fairly similar or whatever. But literally, you know, when you're, you're, you're telling a, a comic series, how can Spider-Man be relatively exactly the same now as he was 60 years ago and having gone through all that type of stuff? Well, he hasn't. Not, they just not, not changed every four years. Yeah, well, yeah. Poor Uncle Ben. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I did. I did see. I did see that meme. Um, what? What they had a uh, um, uh, <laughs> all the different Spider Mans, and then it had like the the new Spider Man, and he was standing over Uncle Ben with a gun himself, <laughs> <laughs> just, just shoot, shooting him himself rather than you know, having to deal with it each time. I was like, oh, that's good. I like that. <laughs> Yeah. Remember, remember that meme, um, guys, when Captain America was saying um, "Hail Hydra," and then you got other memes as well, like Spider-Man saying "I killed Uncle Ben." Well, the, the Captain America one was because he was a Hydra agent, a sl- Hydra sleeper agent. Yeah, and then afterwards, was, and then everyone yeah, just, like just yeah. out of curiosity though, which universe was this in? Because there's there's so many different universes with with the yeah. Marvel characters now, where there's a female Thor for female Hulk. Asian Hulk. Asian Hulk. <laughs> um, what about the X-Men? When you need to come up with a new X-Men universe, you just put a new adjective in front of it. Ultimate X-Men, Extreme <laughs> X-Men. <laughs> Extraordinary X-Men. Yeah. That um, Ghost in the Shell one that I was trying to remember before, um, it's Ghost in the Shell Arise. Ah. So it's okay. a slight, it's, it's actually like there's a, it's a new series of um, stories that, bounce off after the um yeah after they got the standalone complex stuff and all that sort of thing so oh there you go so yeah that was um 2014 2015 sort of era so yeah but but these these reboots these reboots are really annoying it's just stupidity that and laziness like yeah um, look I, i know myself like a lot of people have asked me about about my series and i know very early on that I was going to do or wanted to do a very like long run. So saying maybe 50 to 75 issues, but at the same time that there was, I I've always got a very, or not set in stone ending, but an ending that I want to, to do just finding the way to get there. Um, but that there is going to be an ending. Like I just, yeah, it's not, not something that, yeah, and I, and I enjoy doing the anthologies and doing other short little stories within the same universe, but I want to give people a uh, a start, a middle, and an end and, and show the evolution and the change within the characters that were in that main storyline. So It's um, the, one of the funniest ones I can think of uh, a, re- a reimagining and a reboot is when you look at uh, The Longest Yard, 
Yeah. With because a soccer film. Uh, no, with? no, no, no. Um, actually, you go back further. Oh, no, that's right. Yeah, there was a... Uh, um, 1974 with yep. um, Old Bert. Oh, Bert, yep. And then there was the Mean Machine, which was the soccer one yeah. uh, with... Oh, um, Vin Diesel. Oh, I'm not Vin Diesel. Who's <laughs> oh, Vin Diesel? It's Vinny. Vinny Jones. Yeah. Call him Diesel. Oh. Uh, and then, uh, and then, yeah, then the... Yeah, then you got the um, 2005 version and... The 2005 version is almost a. It's just. It's such a sad parody that makes. It's almost almost like it's making fun of the original. Like Burt Reynolds when he like his one. It had comedy and humor in it, but it wasn't like yeah. And then when you have um, the Mean Machine, it's like it's got the humor, but it's also got the. It's not. It's not poking fun at the original Longest Yard. It's yeah. Uh, It's just. It's sad. They got. They got to get people who've got some imagination. Well, even the, even this new plot of um, the new GI Joe comic remake, it's basically a ripoff of the movie, the old GI Joe movie that, was, that came out recently. Okay. Um, a, yeah, Retaliation. I think that's the one. Look, honestly, like um, I think as Sean said, they should just give it a different name. Like instead of just, I think it's because they got it. They got a successful brand tag, and yeah. they're just gonna they're just gonna try and milk that thing for everything it's worth. Yeah. And like I've actually. I remember one of my um, lecturers at university when they were saying about this sort of thing, and he actually he put up a picture of a cartoon-drawn cow that's just a skeleton with dust blown past, and you got a businessman there trying to milk it to get out get out more profit. <laughs> and, he, and it's just like, he goes, unfortunately these days this is how some people seem to approach it, a lot of businesses, even after the, the, the cow's dead and turned to dust and you, you've got a calcified skeleton they're still trying to milk it for what they can get out of it yeah yeah but but i think sometimes like you know look i'm a, I'm a massive star wars fan and i enjoy um you know not all of their new stuff but 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 some of their new stuff but you know like um sometimes things are good because they're left alone yeah and, and they stand the test of time because they're left alone um, you know, like that that first Matrix. Now, if they never did another Matrix other than just that one, I reckon that would have, you know, been one of the the, the, the best movies of uh, of all time. But you talk about the Matrix, and people go, "Oh, the first one was good, but the other two were shit." Like, <laughs> you know, t- t- type of thing. So, you know, I, I don't know. I think. You, you're right. The the people that are in charge are, are out to milk as much money out of something as as possible, and I guess that comes from f- financial money people looking at stuff and not actual creators and the people that, yeah, you know, I guess no longer own the rights to their own creations type of thing. Yeah, and it's also, and I think the biggest loser for all this is the fans because you got fans who invest their time in building up this knowledge of um of the lore in, in like the J.I. Joe universe for example then all of a sudden you see this reboot and you go oh well I, can't, I it looks like all this lore is um all the time invested is um gone to waste well, well that's what i was so dejected about star wars like i had, had all the expanded universe comics had all the expanded universe um books i'd invested over 20 years of reading my money all that type of stuff 
for Disney to take over and say, okay, that timeline is no longer um, valid. We're only taking this, 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 and this, and we're going to build a new law and a new universe type of thing. Now, that's great for all the the new kids and, you know, like I'm introducing my little girl to it and it's... um. I think that's where I fell in love with it again because we've been watching Star Wars Rebels, um, the cartoon series, and it, and it feels very much like like Star Wars and when I first was introduced to it when I was a kid. So um, I, mm. I fell in love with it again. But that initial reaction of just like, are you kidding me? Like you're, you're wiping out, you know, all of my my investment in not only just money but time and and all that um to for 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 the bottom dollar of of making new stuff yeah it's just a it's just a massive insult to everything that's happened it's just you got um fans like yourself and my like i I grew up with star wars and like yeah with all the stuff that disney's done it's kind of like it's such a massive insult to the likes of carrie fisher and all the others like um, the original um, C-3PO, like the guy who plays C-3PO and Chewbacca and all that, like you got all the original cast. It, and what it came from, like Star Wars, the, the original Star Wars, um, A New Hope, still one of the highest grossing films of all time. Like it was done on a shoestring budget and made close to a billion dollars back in 78. Like I'm sorry, but James James Cameron and all these other ones going on, oh, we're making so many. We're making over a billion dollars. Yeah, but you spent how many hundreds of millions of dollars to make that movie? Yeah, yeah. And George George Lucas turned around back in the seventies. He kitted out his stormtroopers in costumes and outfits that were made using egg cartons and bloodstone boots that he bought at the hardware store and stuff like that. And the guns were surplus from World War Two. Yeah, like, there's all all these things like this. This the actual. Um, all the space, a lot of the spaceships were just it was just egg cartons and ice cream containers and takeaway containers and stuff like that. And yeah, and they, they've made this amazing epic piece of film history that's captured. I don't know how many generations would it be now because we're talking over forty years. Yeah. So so yeah. So four, four generations. That's what I'm saying. Like I'm introducing my daughter order to it now um she was born in 2016 and you know um like you know when i uh, brought home my lightsaber she knew exactly what it was and and all that type of stuff to my to my wife's disgust um (laughs) but uh you know um i get a real real kick out of that uh you know she's like oh at the moment um she's like oh stormtroopers they're not nice pew 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 (laughs) yeah hey one of my greatest moments as an uncle was when uh, my youngest nephew had the remote control for the tv and he's gone through looking to see what was on and he saw Star Wars, um, and that was it. We weren't; no one else was allowed to change the channel. Like he, he he's only six years old. And he, he was just like, "No, we're watching Star Wars." Yeah, I want to watch. That, I want to watch Star Wars with Uncle. And it was just like, boom! I was just like, "I've done well." <laughs> I had I had a, the biggest smile on my face. Like, yeah, I, I thought, "Yep, I, I've got the youngest from youngest nephew all the way through all the rest of my nephews and nieces." They all love Star Wars. So did you say, Sean, that your daughter hates Stormtroopers? 
Yeah. Yep. Do you know how many innocent people were killed by the rebels on the Death Star? <laughs> oh, they, they, they weren't innocent. They were part of the, the Empire, mate. But then again, when you consider the fact that the Stormtroopers themselves were clones and brainwashed into who they were supposed to be, they, they, weren't, they weren't actually evil. Were they? I thought they were only clones conjecture. in the clone bit. I, and then they I, I think Americans reading. call them collateral damage. <laughs> yeah, but the Americans also have the were the people that we had to come up with a, a saying of how to, when you shoot your own people. Mm, yeah, because it was such a rare occurrence before the Americans started going to war. But after they got involved, it was they started shooting their own people almost as much as the enemy did. So, but yeah, um, I think we should probably move along now before we get shot. <laughs> I think I, I think it's the third time I've insulted America tonight alone. <laughs> If our viewing so, numbers go down this week, we know why. <laughs> yes. So, uh, so before we move on, though, so Sean, would you would you ever read them? Um, I tell you what, if um if they gave the the first one away, get free comic book day or something, I might. Um, oh, I, I really don't know. Uh, all the stuff I'm the moment is um uh is from image or from independent creators or stuff that i've gotten off um kickstarter um you know the last time i went into the the local comic book store i picked up um uh walking dead 193 which happened to be the the last uh last issue i picked up uh, mr and mrs x because i'm a, a big gambit fan number 12 and that was the last issue and I picked up uh, The Siege, which uh, was a, a, an indie um, series that I'd um, been really enjoying, and that was issue nine, and that had been cancelled. So um, I was like, oh, okay, well, you know, here's, uh, you know, series that have, um, you know, telling some really good stories. But, you know, for whatever reason, they're not selling 350,000 copies because you know that's what you know batman does or whatever so uh, they get axed so yeah yeah i as i said most most of my stuff now comes from from kickstarter from conventions um and you know i i guess even uh tv shows i'd uh, actually hadn't read uh the umbrella academy before i'd watched the tv series so that was one thing that i went out and actually um started purchasing uh in retrospect so yes and I, i'm sorry to say but i'm still a phantom tragic like I, it, it's one of the longest running comics out there so did you see the news of that this week um was that the jamie johnson cover or no that uh the kid phantom and the other spin-off that they'd done which were the two australian series were cancelled oh no, I know um, Jamie Johnson was doing some of that. He's actually one of the Australian artists. Yeah, and Paul Mason uh, is a Queensland artist that does um, uh, the Kid Phantom. Okay. So yeah, so they um, yeah had announced that um, due to financial reasons and a business decision that they've they've decided to um to cancel the the um the series. So bugger. So you'll still have your original Phantom, but um, my understanding is that's still uh, all American based with uh, just the Australian covers, I think, for for the uh, um, change here. Okay, because, yeah, I have to 
I have to go and look into that a bit more. Yeah, yeah, to jump on uh, Fru's uh, Facebook uh, page. I don't know if uh, DJ, if you you can jump on and and that you'll be able to see the the um, announcement that I made the other day. What's it called again? I'm just Fru F R E W Publications. I'm pretty sure it's called. Okay, yep. But yeah, could but Buck, here's a question for you. Could you imagine the Phantom comics being cancelled, uh, being rebooted? Well, see, that's the beauty of um, the Phantom. It's constantly like rebooting itself. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, it's constantly rebooting itself because it's 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 a generational thing because the Phantom always has kids because he's yep. not immortal, but he appears immortal, and it's just from one generation to the next. So. And, and, yeah, and I love yes, the it, fact that, you know, like some live until they're old, some die while they're young, so some are thrown into it at a young age. Like that, yeah. to me, is interesting. Um, some like, of it is you have the brothers as well. Like there was um, one where the the, the, um, the grandfather died and the father took over. He got killed and then the eldest brother took over because he was the next in line to be Phantom. But he died and so the younger brother had to take over, and he was still in high school. And then the cousin had to take over eventually as well at one point or something from memory. So, yeah, it's it's, it's constantly rebooting itself. Yeah. And you've got but centuries you- of content because it goes back to you can be sitting there and reading through the archives and telling stories from back at whatever era you want to choose. So, yeah. It's almost like, um, you know, your Zorro, uh, where, you, you, you know, you kind of pass that on. Uh, type of thing and like you know you can't say that there's not marvel characters that they could do that to like batman they could have done that ages ago um and they kind of did with batman beyond with jason todd um Mm -hmm. type of thing but they always seem to want to come back to the original characters and you know spider-man you've got miles morales you know he's one of the most like popular characters at the moment spider gwen you know all, all these all these characters but you want to come back to the original um spider-man um you know the, the only other character i think that they've probably done it with that they haven't rebooted is is really um barry allen uh you know the flash there's been wally west there's been um what was the very there was the first one before barry allen um wally west no uh, uh, Wally, Wally West's kid, Flash. Oh, yeah. I think, oh, um, Garth, um, I think Garth. Barry's Barry's father. Oh, God, that's gonna bug me now that I can't think. But yeah, um, but that's what, that, that's what I'm saying. It's like that, that's the difference between really good writing, um, and and understanding that you know there has to be a, a beginning, a middle, and an end, but being able to keep up a. a a series for over like what's the phantom up to now a thousand and something um like, is it 18, almost 2000 18, 1800 yeah 1829 yeah wow like that's, that's been running since crazy. 1936 and like my father used to read that when he was a kid yeah and it's just like yeah you, it's just it's one of those characters Jay you Garrick, people, that's it. you'll get you'll get people knocking batman and everything else but very few people ever have the guts to go and knock the Phantom. So yeah, it's just such it's such a, a simple, easy costume, but the the story behind it is just yeah, it's just everyone knows it and loves it. The one thing that bugs me about the Phantom is that the newspaper my work gets for the lunchroom has it 
and they only show three panels at a time. Yeah. So every day I'm like, wait a minute, what happened? Why is he doing this? Yeah, my memory's now, not that good. I'm getting old. <laughs> wait, till get, wait, wait till he gets to our way, Jason. Yeah, that's it. Wait. But um, I, I think that's um, and I think that's why I've moved away from single issues to to graphic novels for that that exact reason. The way we um, you know, uh, take in information and entertainment these days is very different from ten years ago, twenty years ago, thirty years ago. Um, so you know, you're you're reading an eighteen to twenty four page graphic novel uh, comic. You finish that, and you're like, oh, what? Like, you know, it's seven bucks for that. Like, that was, you know, half an hour of my time, like, type of thing, where, you know, you can wait for the graphic novel to come out for 20 bucks, and that's 64 to 120 pages, depending on, you know, who's printing it, where you get, you know, several hours of entertainment, like, for, for, for not that much more you know, bang for your buck type of thing and people can sit down and really enjoy and, and follow much more of a, a story rather than, you know, just a, a, a single issue. So that's why, um, you know, I've started to, to move away um, to the graphic novels and then for us it's helped us get distribution and into bookstores and and uh, now we're trying to get into to libraries where I, we are in a few already uh, for that that type of reason yeah like i know um some of the places i've worked at one of the interesting things is you go into the lunchroom and because it was in like some some of the warehouses you get some of the guys leaving um some of the um adult entertainment material <laughs> left lined in the lunchroom but um the number of phantom comics you find in different warehouses and all that all around the place and they're always in good condition like everyone will read them but it's, it's always treated really, really carefully. But yeah, it's just you have. I, I've I've been in places where people have gone. Oh, you're a Phantom fan. Oh, hang on. Have you seen this issue? And you sit there and you start having a chat about it, and it's just yeah. Yeah, it's funny. Like there's, I've I've had a few people come up to me asking whether um uh, we could do a crossover with the Phantom because uh, you know the Fru has um the Australian publication rights to them so i was like oh that's kind of a cool idea so might uh reach out and uh and see whether they would be interested in something like that which would be kind of cool he would, he would definitely win whatever battle you put him in so <laughs> now <laughs> would he oh i see the ghost the ghost who worked up walks always does whether whether or not it's him or he's there the next ghost who walks because <laughs> he doesn't die that's right but yes, moving along. Um, what game have you been playing this week, Professor? I've been playing uh, Rainbow Six Siege. I've been setting it to realistic difficulty, Lone Wolf Terrorist Hunt, and it's brutal. How how many times did you die, and how quick? Uh, I can. I think my best run so far has been killing a third of the enemies on the level. Okay. So there's thirty enemies on the uh, on the level on realistic difficulty. Okay. And what about yourself, DJ? What have you been playing? I've been playing um, Warframe. Refresh my memory. What's Warframe? Um, Warframe Warframe is basically a futuristic um, game where you play a Tenno and you basically acquire weapons. Um, and if my memory is right, you've got three classes. You've got the Excalibur, 
And two other classes I can't remember from the top of my head, but the fun part about this, it's like Assassin's Creed, but, oh, okay. but ninjas. Ooh, okay. <laughs> so you, you get stealth kills, you get to throw kunais, you get to have the swords, you get you can you can use guns even. There's a, the end, the possibilities are endless. So I've been starting to play that and I'm enjoying it very much. So it's a space age sci-fi Assassin's Creed. Yep. I've just okay, been take using... my money. I'm in it. I'm on it. <laughs> it's free to play. They don't have to take your money. Sweet. Oh no, no, but then there is the loot boxes and the and not, the DLC. I, well, actually, because it's not EA, it's not surprise mechanics. <laughs> well, this is the game that was uh, heavily promoted by Total Biscuit, and they basically credit their success to being featured on his channel. Okay, well, he's he's all right. I don't normally mind him too much. Yeah, the um, the developers were doing a uh, a stream when they got the news and they started crying on stream. <laughs> Jeez. Anyway. Um, I mean, the and... news that he died, not the news that they've been featured. Ah. I was just trying to work out whether they'd be crying that they being featured, like Tears of Joy maybe, but yeah. But yeah, with the game, uh, I've just been playing uh, with the bow and arrow and I'm just having fun just doing long-distance kills on Warframe. And you're not getting into mixing it up. As in... You gotta go in and do the close up kills. You gotta do the you gotta you gotta get up right next to them when you stab them. But it's so fun just playing it on total distance with with like a bow and arrow, you know, just the, the headshot and all. That's just only Skyrim. You gotta do the you gotta do the up get close and personal so you can see the whites of their eyes. See the life drain out. Um moving along before I get to trouble. What games have you been playing, Sean? Uh well, uh, it's really funny. Uh, uh, I went and purchased or pre-ordered um, the new Star Wars game that's coming out in November. Um, and I think when they were re- uh, releasing or launching that on on uh, Xbox, they had uh, gold um, for free Star Wars Republic Commando and um, Star Wars Jedi Academy. Um, so I've actually gone back and been playing them on my uh, Xbox 360. Um, uh, so, no, not 360, my Xbox uh, X, which is um, uh, one which has been great. So, um, yeah, yeah, the, the graphics are not, not, uh, not fantastic, but, um, but it's heaps, heaps of fun. So Okay. Um, and I've just been – I've started playing Albion Online, so – that's been a lot of fun, running around and just beefing up different people and going hunting for resources. So, yeah, um, I suppose better move along because we're probably going to be running over our time. On to our shout-outs. Um, first up this week, we have um, Sir Sean. I think, I think he's Sir Sean now, isn't he? Or did he refuse it? Um, I mean, Sean he's Hunt. a cool guy, but he's only he does comics. He's not, like, a hero. Sean... No, Sean Connery, <laughs> the, 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 the 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 old Sean, not not this Sean. Um, Sean Connery, super hot, good looking Sean. <laughs> um, I didn't you know, know it, you Buck. did. You know it, Buck. You know it. <laughs> um, yeah, the men, the men that every other man on the planet wants to be at different times. Um, what about that birthday. scene in Zardoz? Sorry, what was that? What about the scene in Zardoz? Um, where is in his underwear? Does my, that man want to be Sean Connery when he's in Zardoz? He still looks pretty decent when you consider that. Like, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm not going to knock him. 
I'm not going to knock. I'm, I'm not going to knock Sean Connery mainly because of the fact that I think he's gone too. I would be kind of scared about the backlash from all the female fans. Your mum might be a fan of Sean Connery, so you better be careful because she can hit you. <laughs> um, it was his birthday during the week, so he's 89 now. Wow. I, yeah. No, another reason not to pick on him. He's he's lived long enough to, to earn the respect. Um, so that was on the 25th of August. On the 26th in 1883, we had the eruption of Krakatoa beginning its final paroxysmal stage. 70% of the island and its surrounding archipelago were destroyed as it collapsed into a caldera. Additional seismic activity was reported to have continued until February 1884. Though reports of seismic activity after October 1883 were later dismissed by Roger Verbeek's investigation into the eruption and blamed on computer game violence. <laughs> I was waiting for it. Yep. Hey, I had, to, I had to put it in there. <laughs> um, on the 26th of August, 1907, Harry Houdini escaped from chains underwater at Aquatic Park in 57 seconds. Many people arrested by the police have been attempting the same trick, just sitting inside the car. But unfortunately, um, whether it's because they were inebriated or just not talented enough, they just never seem to succeed. Um, on to remembrances. On the 26th of August, 1910, William James, the American philosopher and psychologist and the first educator to offer a psychology course in the United States. Um, yeah, he unfortunately died of congestive heart failure at the age of 68 in Tamworth, New Hampshire, not Australia, sorry. He wasn't there yeah. for the Golden... He wasn't there for the Golden Guitar Party. You can tell it's an inferior Tamworth because it doesn't have a giant golden guitar. <laughs> yeah. Same with the one in England. They should have a giant golden guitar, but they don't. But they haven't had Slim there. The they haven't had Slim go and play there either, though, so that's probably the reason why they haven't got a giant golden guitar. Um, 26th of August, 1974, Charles Lindbergh, American aviator, military officer, author, inventor, explorer... Yeah, this, the list goes on and on. Um, at age 25, he went from obscurity as a male, as a US Air male pilot to world fame by winning the Ortigue Prize. Um, unfortunately, on the 26th of August 1974, he died at the, from um, lymphoma at the age of 72 in Kip. Kipahulu, Maui, Hawaii. On the 26th of August, 1977, Hans Augusto Ray, also known as H.A. Ray, German-born American illustrator and author, who's best known for one of the, the world's most best-loved children's picture books, Curious George. Um, unfortunately, he died of a heart attack at the age of 78 in Cambr Cambridge, Massachusetts. Moving on to birthdays, um, 26th of August, um, 1740, we have Joseph Mitchell Montgolfier, uh, one half of the Montgolfier brothers, who are best known as the inventors of the Montgolfier star hot air balloon, globe, I'm going to kill you, Professor, aerostatic. Oh, <laughs> giving you the hard names. 
Yes. They launched their first piloted ascent. Um, unfortunately, Joseph, it's actually Joseph Michel, sorry. Um, yeah, he was born in Annonay, Ardèche. It's weird, I actually recognize that one. Um, 26th of August, 1910, Mary Teresa um, more commonly known as Mother Teresa, um, was born. She was born in Uskup, Kosovo, Villiers. So present-day Skopje, um, northern Macedonia. Hmm. You always have to pause after you read something about Mother Teresa. Have you, have you noticed that? You always got to sit there and think, what am, am I doing well enough? 26th yeah. of August, 19... 19- well, you haven't been sainted yet, Buck, so get to it. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's can- canonised. When they become a saint, they're canonised. I'll canon um, you. <laughs> yeah, bring it on. Bring, come on. Um, 26th of August, 1928, Yvette Vickers, American actress, pinup model, and singer, um, famous for appearing as Honey Parker in Attack of the 50-Foot Woman, in which she That's plays the role of the town floozy who has an affair with Archer, who is married to Nancy Archer. So racy back in those days, wasn't it? Um, she was born in Kansas City, Missouri. So, yes. And I don't think we'll say the other bits and pieces we discussed during the week when we're talking about that. Um, 26th of August, 1895, the Adams Power Plant Transformer House delivered its first inexpensive commercial power. Its first customer was the Pittsburgh Reduction Company, which became the Aluminium Company of America, or ALCO. And the PRC facility was adjacent to Adams and News DC current for its electrolysis process for producing aluminium. If you want to know where it was, it was located at Niagara Falls with the promise of cheap and abundant electricity. The importance of the Hall electro electrolytic refining process and electricity reflects the price of aluminium at one dollar per ounce in 1885 versus 35 cents per pound in 1897. So, yes, at least, at least they built it in a good spot. They're not, not like it run out of water. Yeah, and you have a nice view out the window there. And you've got people going up to Niagara Falls on honeymoon, so if it fails, you can electrocute the husband if he cheats. <laughs> or or if, the, if the wife is talking a little bit too much, just zap her for a bit of a lobotomy. Uh, <laughs> Moving along, um, 26th of August, 1959, the British Motor Corporation introduces the Morris Mini Miner, also known as the Mini Mark One. Yes, this is the legendary car that has seen decades and decades of use and abuse, and people all over the world recognise it just as quickly as a um, V-Dub. Um, and it's got a, a great movie about it. There's actually lots of movies about this one. Better than um, Herbie. Yep. Herbie never pulled off a massive gold heist. At twice. Because uh, you got the original Italian job as well as the new remake. Yeah. Um, have you ever driven a Mini there, Sean? A Mini? Yes. No. You're missing out on so much fun. I'm, I'm six foot four, and I've actually driven a Mini. I've actually sat in the back seat of a Mini with my brother, who's the same size as me. And when we got out, people thought the car was actually growing legs and about to transform. <laughs> now, um, I, did, I did drive in Italy, but uh, we had a, um, a bigger car. 
Uh, so you miss out on all the fun. When you're in a small car, it seems like you're going so much faster. But um, it also helps you to dodge getting run over quicker as well. On the 26th of August, 2003, the Columbia Accident Investigation Board releases its final reports on the Space Shuttle Columbia disaster. Apparently, it wasn't the teacher pushing the button, saying, what does this button do? <laughs> um, I just palmed. That was bad. Hey, come on. Back when that happened, that was the joke. Was What What was the, the last thing people heard on the Space Shuttle Columbia before it exploded? The teacher pushing in the self-destruct button saying, what does this button do? Kids everywhere loved it. And I think, they think the world is so much more politically incorrect now. Oh, no, no, no. Political correctness is probably... It's, it's horrible. You can't sit there and make fun of people like you used to anymore. They get too upset. But uh, move along before I get into trouble more than I'm probably already about to. I think that's the <laughs> end of the show. Um, so, yeah. Um, thanks for joining us, Sean. No problem, guys. Thank, thank you very much for, for having me. Um, just thought I'd uh, give you a little tid, tidbit of information as well while I'm creating a, a brand new series um, that's called Talos of Sparta, T-A-L-O-S of Sparta. And we've just um, created a Facebook page so you can go and like that. And uh, I'm launching a, a Patreon page on the 13th of September to... Uh, help uh, my creative uh, endeavours with all these series. So um, you can check that out as well. Awesome. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I've got something for this. Something terrible about putting a roof over your head. (laughs) (laughs) Keeping it there, mate. Keeping it there. (laughs) So just uh, can you spell that out again? Just so. Uh, Yep. So it's uh, Talos, T-A-L-O-S of O-F. Sparta, S-P-A-R-T-A. Uh, we've just created a Facebook page uh, for that. Um, and then uh, the, the Patreon, we haven't uh, haven't um, launched the, the page yet. That'll launch on the 13th. Um, so that'll just be Patreon forward slash comics to movies. Okay. Awesome. Um, Twit. Thanks for where, having me. Yeah. Um, Twit, where can they find us? Uh, they can find us on at an amalgamated. Uh, they can find us on Facebook. They can find us on that's not ca- uh, that's not canon.com. Um, they can find us on Spotify, Stitcher, iTunes. And awesome. if they have any inquiries, um, they can send us an email at nerds.amalgamated at gmail.com. Fantastic. And who are we going to give a shout out to? I think we should give a shout out to General Queries. Okay. Yeah. Works for me. Yep. They've been good. To, they've been good, doing well. So yeah, let's give them a shout out. Awesome. And as always, remember to take care of yourselves, look out for each other, and stay hydrated. Please exit and the building. We'll catch you next time, and we will see you next week. See you guys. Peru. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.